This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Ladies, I hope everybody is comfortable wherever they are right now. If you're not driving, grab a piece of paper and a pen because I feel like there's going to be a lot of gems in this episode. Today, we're talking to Mickey Agrawal, who is a serial social entrepreneur who is disrupting product categories with her incredibly unique concepts. And while she's building these businesses, she's also helping millions of women and the planet on the way. Mickey was a professional soccer player before opening Wild, which is an acclaimed farm-to-table alternative pizza concept. She then went on to create Thinks, which is the coolest company. It's a high-tech, period-proof underwear brand. And while Mickey was CEO, she led the company to a valuation of over $150 million. This is making period-proof underwear. Most recently, she has created Tushy, a company that is revolutionizing the American toilet category with a modern, affordable designer bidet attachment that both upgrades human health and hygiene, as well as the environment, from wasteful toilet paper consumption. She's an award winner, and we're talking like big awards, Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine. Most recently, she was named one of Fast Company's Most Creative People. And just to top it all off, she's the author of two incredible books, Do Cool Shit and Disrupt Her. So we have so much to learn in this episode. Mickey, thank you so much for being here today. So happy to be here. <laughs> I think in, <laughs> in that introduction, I may have forgotten one of your most important titles, which is mom. Yeah, definitely. You are also a mama. <laughs> to my little hero, Happy. He's the best. He's almost, He turns two in... A couple of weeks, which just feels unreal to me, actually. Like how did that happen? I feel like you were just breastfeeding. Are you still breastfeeding or are you done? No, I stopped at 14 months. I wanted to start getting my – because I didn't get my period for nine months during my pregnancy and then 14 months during breastfeeding. And so I just wanted to kind of get my system back to get my body ready for baby number two. Oh, <laughs> baby number two is in the works. Exciting. Yeah, we're, we're working on it actively. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun process. Yep. (laughs) The best. So you have a lot of things on the go between your babies and making babies and businesses. Yep. What sort of inspired you? You've gone in a lot of directions already in your life, but what kind of inspired you to start down the entrepreneurial path? Well, the first 9-11 happened. I was supposed to be under two World Trade Center on 9-11, you know, my subway stop every single morning was Two World Trade Center. And I got a job at Deutsche Bank, which is directly across Two World Trade. My girlfriend worked on the 100th floor at Two World Trade. And so I would basically normally every day at 8.30, get off the subway at Two World Trade, walk upstairs, get tea with my girlfriend who worked on the 100th floor, and then would walk across the street to my job. And then 9-11 happened. And it was the first and only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. Oh my God. Yeah. 700 people in my girlfriend's office died on that day. Was she okay? She went down to get coffee. It was actually a crazy story. And then two people in my office died. 
And it's like, imagine like you just kind of going to work like a normal person, a normal day and just never coming home. That was thousands of people on that day. And it was just unreal. And I just missed the whole thing. And it was sort of a really deep realization in my life that the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. A meteor could hit our planet right now and we'd all be incinerated and we'd all die, you know? And so really for me, it was about living each moment like it was truly my last. And and so I wrote down three things I wanted to do with my life. And the first was to play soccer professionally. <laughs> wow. You are a soccer player already, I gather. Yeah. No, no, I just picked up a ball a week before. No, no, just kidding. Yes. I <laughs> no, no, I I've been I play I've been playing since I was four years old. And so yeah, you know, I played at the highest levels in my teens and then twenties and college. Anyway, so the first was to play soccer professionally. The second thing was to make movies. And then the third thing was to start a business. And so I found out that there was this WSA soccer team called the New York Magic that were holding tryouts in Brooklyn. And I was still working my investment banking job, which was like 100 hours a week. It was working literally the most insane hours every single day. And so I had to figure out how to sneak out of my investment banking job twice a week up into the point that I get cut from from the tryouts because they basically cut people at the end of every tryout. And I, I basically had to figure out how to sneak out of my job for two and a half months because I made it all the way to the very end and then actually made the team and made the starting lineup of the New York Magic. And I was all set to quit my job. And I was like, you know what? Let me just play one game and see how it goes because who knows. And so my first game of the season, laced up my cleats, get on the pitch. In the first eight minutes of my professional career, I dribbled the ball down, crossed the ball, then the striker hits in the back of the net. So I, I had an assist. But in the very moment that I crossed the ball, a, a defender came in, slide tackled me, and then took out my knee. And I heard the telltale snap and tore my ACL. And oh. so, yeah, so I just spend another year at the investment bank and go back and tail between my legs and stay there for a year so I could get the best health insurance, the best, you know, physical therapy and all that. And then come back out again the following year, you know, made the starting lineup again the following year. And then in a semifinal game, not with the magic, but just in a pickup game, helping a friend fill in, I tore my other ACL. <laughs> oh my God. No. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, universe, got it. Not my calling. Okay. Why do you have to make it so painful? <laughs> but all right, fine. <laughs> it's always so damn painful. <laughs> oh God, it always is. It's like when the universe is like, nope, you're done. It's like they do it in the most cruel ways. And <laughs> I mean, I could attest to that even recently. But yeah, so hung up my cleats and then looked at the second thing on my list, which was to make movies. And I'd spent my summers when I was in college working for the guys who produced Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin and, you know, all these really silly movies. My Indian father called them very smart movies, not. <laughs> <laughs> He'd make fun of us so much. Anyway, and so I dusted off my film resume and started working on sets of commercials and music videos, first as an associate producer and then freelance. And then I just started as a PA, picking up trash on the streets, driving directors around, getting coffee for producers, and just doing whatever I could to work my way up quickly. And, you know, very quickly in the, about four months time, work my way up to producing small commercials, production managing, bigger things. And while I was on set, that was when I had my first idea for a business. Mm -hmm. And I realized up to that point, I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm 
I'm a very strict Indian father, sometimes very hard for me to take orders. But then also I just felt like it was my time to go out on my own. Entrepreneurship runs in my family on both sides, my Indian side and my Japanese side. So I think it always was sort of in the cards somehow. So the idea came from just eating on sets of commercials and music videos. So I don't know if you've been on sets where there's this table that has free food on it called the craft service table. I don't know if you've heard about it. It sounds like it's pretty good food on that table. <laughs> well, it's actually like pigs in the blanket, M&Ms, just crap. And I would just eat it because free was my favorite price. You know, I just loved everything that was free. I just would eat that crap and would go home with just terrible stomach aches. And finally, one day I came home with an awful stomach ache and I just said, enough is enough. And I just like went to research it and Googled it and discovered the massive processed food industry, the hormones, the antibiotics, the pesticides, the preservatives that was making food not actually food anymore. It was making people really intolerant to so much food that it was out there. And I started thinking about all the foods that I had given up. Pizza was my favorite comfort food. And I had given up pizza a year prior because I, every time I ate pizza, I would have horrible bloating and stomach aches and just pain, constantly farting, gas, like the smelliest farts like on earth. It would be so embarrassing. <laughs> it was like terrible. And so finally was like, oh my God, what if I can take this pizza category, which is a $32 billion category of which Americans eat 100 acres of pizza every single day. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And instead use gluten-free flours and hormone-free local organic cheeses and use seasonal vegetables rather than using sugar to cut the acid in pizza, which is what people do. Why not use fresh carrots and fresh tomatoes, fresh onions? When you slow cook them over time, they naturally caramelize or sweeten. So why can't you just slow cook a sauce over time instead of putting tons of sugar in them, which is what most pizzerias do to cut the acid quickly in a, in a large batch. And so I was like, yeah, of course you can do all those things. And so without any hesitation, because I think when you're entrepreneurial or having to go off and do things on your own, you can't really overthink it too much because then you're going to probably talk your way out of doing something. So you have to kind of just jump off a cliff and be like, I'm in, I'm doing it. And then kind of see what happens. But I just kind of jumped in both feet first without having any experience in restaurants, having ever worked in a restaurant, having, having ever cooked anything in my life. I just don't even know how to cook still very much. I could cook a little bit, but everything a naive young person could do, I did basically. Yeah. So I so, so basically created what's now called Wild, it was originally called Slice, and basically created New York City's first alternative pizza concept that's now 100% gluten-free. The whole restaurant is at four locations now. So I ran my restaurants for seven years from age 25 to about 31, 32. And then finally, it was just like, oh, this is such a hard business. I'd come up with the idea for Thinks with my sister in 2005 as well. But since I just started my restaurants, we kind of tabled the business idea and worked on the restaurants for a while. And finally, I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And I brought in a partner to run the restaurants who has a ton of operational experience in restaurants and operating a restaurant and running a restaurant and making food, all this stuff that I had zero experience in. And literally when he took over the business, our numbers doubled in one week. No way. <laughs> After seven years of slaving away, my partner takes over and one week in, our numbers doubled. And after one month, our numbers tripled. And I was like, I want to kill myself. This is seven years of stress and pain and torture. 
Ugh. But babe, he could only do that because you'd created this incredible idea and set the foundation for it. You had done all that work, all that seven years of digging. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order, and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. We talk about this idea of overnight success. And I always just laugh because you just don't see the years of work that go in behind the scenes and the hustle and the connecting and all these things, right? So that's such a brilliant example of that. You'd put in all the work. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the big realization from that was that really I should be focusing on what I do best, which is really the big vision, the invention, the creative direction, like big picture concept the PR, the marketing, the strategy of how to grow something, have somebody else really run the operations, run the finance, run inventory management, run managing the people, do all that stuff. I don't really care for to do too much in, in that space because I'm just too impatient and not too into the minutiae. So finding someone to really do the things that are complementary to what you love doing and they love doing what they love doing is actually the perfect match. And so when you fast forward to my other businesses, one of the first hires I've brought on every single future business was a, a head of operations. And that's been transformational for all the businesses I've started since. So once I brought Waleed in, it then freed up my time to start my next business, which was Thinks. And Thinks was also born out of a necessity and also out of a container of playfulness 
In my book, Disrupt Her, I talk a lot about how we have been conditioned by society that we have to get serious as we grow up. Get your head out of the clouds. Be quiet. Sit down. Don't talk out of turn. If you want to go to college, shut up and listen. If you want to get a job, then shut up and listen. Your voice isn't a part of this equation. That is what we've been taught over and over again and just bashed into our heads from a very young age. I was sitting, learning in these standardized test formats in rows of desks in this sort of like we're cogs in a machine when each one of us learns very, very differently. And so when we forgot how to play, we kind of forgot how to be creative and we forgot how to think outside the box. We forgot how to be inventive because we're now a cog in a machine thinking and so in my book, Disruptor, I talk a lot about how you have to completely eliminate that sort of get serious as you grow up mentality and replace it with, no, the disruption is you can still live in a childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and be a responsible adult at the same time. You can be both. Perfect example of this is in the container of playfulness at my family barbecue, where we, my sister and I were defending our three-legged race championship title. In the middle of the race, Rada started her period, my sister started her period, and we had to sprint through the finish line, still tied to each other, so that we can wash out the blood out of her bathing suit bottoms, and so she can do that. And as I was watching her wash out the blood from her bathing suit bottoms was when the idea of things hit. Wouldn't it be amazing to create a pair of underwear that never leaked and that never stained and that supported women every day of the month during super important times like the three-legged race? And then talked to my older sister, Yuri, who's a head and neck surgeon at Hopkins, and asked her, why are every single one of your underwear stained with brown stain, a period stain on them? Literally, I went one time to borrow underwear from her and every one of her underwear was stained. And I was like, why is that? And she was like, well, I'm a surgeon. I can't be like in the middle of a surgery, like just stay open. I'm going to change my tampon, be right back. So then I started thinking about all the other situations. For me, in the middle of a soccer game, you can't be like, hey, ref, can you stop the game? I'm going to go change my tampon, be right back. You know, you can't. <laughs> Do that, or when you're like making out with a new boy or making out with a new partner, you know, like, or when you're stuck in traffic or when you're on stage performing or when you're in the middle of the park where you can't get to a bathroom fast enough or where you're stuck on a subway car. Any situation you can think of, you can't stop and go to the and change your tampon or pad. You're stuck and you're basically bleeding through, and that's just it. And so there was such a huge ding, ding, ding sound that appeared that was like, oh my God, we can create a pair of underwear that never leaked, that never stained, that supported women every day of the month and we're going to go and do it. And so then my sister, myself, and we brought in a third co-founder, Antonia, to really create the product with us. And so we we spent the next almost four years developing the technology, developing the product, finding four fabrics, moisture-wicking, antimicrobial, leak-proof, absorbent technologies that goes into a pair of underwear that looks and feels like a sexy pair of underwear. It was so important to us. And that looked and felt beautiful and felt like a regular pair of underwear. It wasn't like a bulky pad-like weird experience, but it felt like, oh, you're just putting on a pair of underwear that, by the way, helps you not leak, helps you support you on your period. And so launched the business, really had our grand launch in 2015, in May of 2015, when we really rebranded our website. And the business then very quickly took off. We had a big viral moment when the New York City public transit system did not want to put our ads in the subway and banned our ads from the subway saying that you could not put the word period in the subway. They said that it would be offensive to riders. 
And we were like, oh, no, you didn't. You know? <laughs> and so we basically reached out to the two press that I knew. And well, first we started, we threatened the MTA by saying, if you don't let us put our ads in the subway, then we're going to go to press. And they were like, good luck, go to press. And I was like, you called my bluff. Damn it. I don't know any press. <laughs> so I didn't know any press. But then finally I, re- I found like two people in media that I kind of knew that I reached out to you know, with a subject heading scandal with the MTA. And <laughs> both publications wrote back, both people who I kind of had acquaintances with wrote back and they're like, I want the exclusive. And I didn't even know what the term exclusive meant. So I was like, great, you both get the exclusive. <laughs> and they were <laughs> like, that's just not how exclusive works. Okay. And it was a big fight. It was a problem. But regardless, one of them ended up taking it. And then the story took off internationally and the story went viral. And it's really what put us on the map. It took us from doing $25,000 a month to a million dollars a month in like three or four short months. And then we just had hockey stick growth from that point forward. So it was a really unbelievable time, timing, sort of bit of luck. All the things had to kind of align. So really, really grew that business to 100 plus, $100 million valuation and then stepped down in 2017 to then really take over Tushy and really build my company Tushy and see the next invention through. Because when you think about the nether regions, there's just so much shame down there. As I was building things, I just learned so much about how people don't even want to talk to their doctors about if they like pee a little bit or have light bladder leakage, which is another problem that we solve with a pair of underwear that solves light bladder leakage. But you know, then of course the pooping thing was just like the final frontier of taboo, literally. When you think about the toilet, right now we're talking on on this interesting app called Ringer and we're on Wi-Fi and we have our noise canceling headphones in or blah, blah, blah. And like all this high technology stuff. And yet the minute we step into our bathrooms, poof, we're back into the 1800s, you know? Totally. It's so crazy that the way we wipe ourselves has not changed since the late 1800s. And toilet paper was brought to America in the late 1890s and was popularized by the Scots brothers and Charmin and all the, and, and, and then Procter & Gamble that had the money to really popularize this tissue paper. But then when you really kind of took stock about what this toilet paper does to the planet and to our health and hygiene, to our pocketbook, not only does toilet paper kill 15 million trees per year, just to make the toilet paper, which includes billions of gallons of water to press the paper down, millions of gallons of bleach, plus plastic packaging, plus the transportation of the toilet paper rolls to the stores, all the things. I mean, just such a process-heavy product to create. And the Canadian boreal forest is getting flushed on the toilet as we speak for toilet paper consumption. It's virgin forest. And so it's just not a sustainable thing to do. And then from a health and hygiene perspective, right now, There are 30 million combined cases of chronic urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching, all these things that are caused by toilet paper and wet wipes. Wet wipes actually strip away the natural oils from your behind, causing anal fissures, anal itching, all these things because it strips away the oils and then your butt just kind of like slowly wears and and actually tears down and starts to break. So it's just not good. Yeah. And then toilet paper, of course, you're just the excessive rubbing of, of your backside, try to get as much poop off your body. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the analogy that I give is imagine 
going to your bathroom and jumping into your shower and not turning the water on and just using dry toilet paper to wipe down your body. (laughs) People would be like, what are you doing? When you think about how absurd that is to do that to the dirtiest part of your body, to wipe it with dry paper and be like, I'm clean. Like people would be like in another planet looking in and be like, this just does not make any sense. So how does Trishy work? So we invented a, a modern bidet that looks like an iPhone next to your toilet. It's a beautiful product, aesthetically pleasing product. It like upgrades your bathroom into like a spa oasis vibes and it attaches to your existing toilet. So it clips onto your existing toilet in 10 minutes. There's no plumbing or electrical required. It connects right to your clean water supply behind your toilet where the same water you brush your teeth with. It comes with a little splitter and a little hose. So everything's included in the box. It takes 10 minutes to install and it only costs $69. When you think about all the bidets that have existed in the market that are thousands of dollars by the Japanese companies and then you wonder why haven't bidets been brought to America Well, I mean, bidets are decently popular amongst very wealthy people in America, but to the average American person, spending $1,000 plus plumbing plus electrical is just not an option. Spending under $100, $69, which will then save you hundreds and then thousands, thousands of dollars over the course of several years on toilet paper purchasing when you just buy a Toshi bidet. Three months time, you're paid back. And then a family of four spends an average of $500 a year on toilet paper. So using a Toshi, they're saving hundreds of dollars on toilet paper costs. It's just a no-brainer. It's like saves your you money over time, a lot of money over time. It saves your health and hygiene from all the infections and diseases and all the issues down there. And it saves the environment and it makes you look cool because you're like an upgraded cool person with a bidet. It's like a no-brainer. I'm obsessed. Who, Honestly, like who are you? I love all these products and I love that you are just smashing down these barriers on things that we don't normally talk about. But as I'm listening to this, I'm like, how is it possible that we haven't updated these systems in so long? Yeah, I know. And then, oh, and just the last thing is for every Tushy sold, we're helping fund the build out of clean sanitation facilities in India. And to date, we've helped 50,000 families gain access to clean toilets because a global sanitation crisis is one of the greatest killers of our time and the greatest problems in our time, a greatest human problem of our time. And we're really excited about really supporting our partner called Samagra that's based in India that really helps bring clean sanitation to underserved communities that really, really need them. So that's really cool. Oh, I just love this so much. Oh, and also super important thing is that anybody listening to this should not go to tushy.com. It is a very graphic porn site. (laughs) (laughs) Please go to hellotushy.com. Hellotushy, T-U-S-H-Y.com. Do not go to the porn site, tushy.com, because it will be a very alarming thing. So why has it been adopted? Well, because the main things is that a French person invented the bidet and in English, the English hate the French. So it's just this weird original rivalry. And then the second thing is during World War II, when American soldiers went to fight World War II, they would go to French brothels. They would see basically bidets in French brothels. Mm. And so they associated bidets as something sexual and dirty. And of course, puritanical America was vehemently opposed to anything that had sexual anything in it. And so even today, Tushy was actually banned from the New York City subways as well because they said it's a sex product. And we're like, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. But back in during the World War II times, 
When American soldiers came back from the war, they imported pizza because they discovered pizza during that time, of which Domino's and Pizza Hut and all these big companies took off, but then they shunned the bidet. So it, it just became a cultural weird thing that not that many people had. So it's just been kind of climbing out of a cultural hole for a while. And I think it really requires a brand that takes risks, that takes visual risks, that takes risks in the way we, we language the product, the way we talk about it in a really accessible, fun way. I think having a best-in-class product, which we do, is really important. And then the price point has to be really important. We are betting that bidets are going to be ubiquitous in American households in the next five to 10 years. And we want to be and are at the forefront of this blue ocean. So we're excited about it. Oh, absolutely amazing. I want one. I'm obsessed. <laughs> My husband's going to be like, what the hell is this on our toilet? But but this is part of it is people hearing this story and bringing it into their own homes and starting the conversation there. That's how this type of idea changes ultimately the world, really. Because when you're talking about how this is impacting our environment, our health, it is really important stuff. I want to just push pause for a second to speak to a few people who are listening right now. If you are tuned in and you're someone who is struggling to feel comfortable in your body, let alone confident, if you are feeling exhausted by constant negative self-talk that is just yammering away in the background of your mind, if you feel like your relationship with food isn't super healthy and you're constantly on and off diets, trying to find something that works for you, not trusting your body anymore, If you're listening and thinking, I know I want more for my life. I know I want to feel healthier. I know I want to feel happier, but I just cannot seem to get there. I want you to know that I have been in that exact same spot too. And I understand how exhausting it is to live from that place. It literally robs you of the life that you deserve. I've spent the last 15 years on my own journey to healing my relationship with food, my body, and my self-worth. And along the journey, I found freedom from that battle with food and my body. I found a place of calm within and collected tools to support me when the going gets tough. Because life isn't linear and all rainbows and butterflies. We need tools and support to get through those tough patches. I'm so excited to announce and share with you for the first time that this September we're launching our raw signature course where I will personally be teaching you the exact steps I used to get from where I was to where I currently am. So if you're listening to this and you're like, she was just talking to me and then as soon as I mentioned course, all of a sudden a million excuses started coming up or you felt really nervous, that's totally normal. I would love it if you would click on the link in our profile to be added to our waitlist. There is zero commitment. We'll just send you a little bit more information about the course as we get closer to the launch date. All right, beautiful. Let's get back to the show. I'm so curious with coming up with ideas. So often I connect with women who say, you know, I'm not super happy in my job right now, but I don't know what to do next, or I don't know what the next move looks like, or I don't even know really what I'm interested or passionate about. Can you speak to that at all? And as somebody who was in a job where you're working a hundred hours and I mean, obviously it wasn't your be all end all. Yeah. I mean, I think that it just starts with putting yourself out there. It's starting to do research. It's starting to think about what issue, cause, or community do I really care about? 
it's to ask yourself, what am I really good at? What skills that I want to learn in what space, what, like I said, issue cause or community do I want to get my hands, hands involved in? And once you, you really find issues or cause or communities and kind of pin down what your skill sets are and what you're passionate about in life and learning, then you can start to map out, oh, here are the companies that fit into this category of all these things. And then you put those companies together and you start reaching out to the founders and say, hey, I'd love to intern for you one day a week for free, or I'll do whatever you need me to do in the evenings, whatever. I just want to come and shadow you for a couple of days and just get in front of people that you admire. And then you can say, oh, this is the kind of life that I want. This is the kind of job that I want. This is the kind of career that I want. And then you start to like find the spark again in that way. But I think a lot of people are just standing on their heels being like, oh, I sent an email. They didn't respond. Oh, well, I guess I'm just sticking to my job. Instead of being persistent and following through and following up and being on time and being accountable and being trustworthy. These are all things that people are looking for constantly. And if people have enough talent and enough gumption and persistence, anyone can learn anything, can do anything, can shadow anyone. I just got an email today from someone who was just like, Hey, I admire your work. I love what you're doing. I'm passionate about marketing and PR. Could I please come in and do whatever you need me to do? Like, I'll do anything that you want. I just want to get to know what your life is like. And I'm just like, Oh, this person is taking initiative. This person is curious. I give talks to a lot of like NYU students, a lot of young people. And there's two ways to go about an internship. It's one to wait in line like everybody else and be one of a thousand applicants, or you can bypass all of that and message on Instagram or via LinkedIn or whatever to the founder or the CEO and be like, hey, this is who I am. This is why I'm passionate about it. I'm going to shadow you and just learn as much as I possibly can. Oh, it's so true. Actually, Alex, she's amazing. She did just that. And she followed up with me a few times because as you know, like we, people are busy. We miss emails. You mean to respond back later. And now she's killing it. And as soon as I have a role, like I can't wait to bring her on board if she's interested. Yeah. I love what you said about persistence too. I just want to really highlight this fact, you guys. Everyone is inundated with so much noise right now from messages on their iPhones to news to advertisements. We're seeing so much. You've got to be persistent and follow up with people in order to get shit done. I am working on getting people for interviews. Mickey, how many times did we communicate before we got on this call? A bunch. Multiple yes. times. <laughs> it takes six months. It takes seven months. I don't care. I'll try for two years. You got to keep on it and keep fighting for yourself because you are worth it. You're worth it. And your dreams are worth it too. That's it. And I, and I think it's much easier to play the victim card of, well, it's easy for you to say because you don't need to get paid because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, that's not true. When I was 22, when I was 23, when I was literally like 27, I was working a hundred hours a week and I, and I would do an unpaid internship during the day. And I would work at a restaurant at night. I would do temp work, answering phones, you know, to like do whatever it took to just pay my bills during the nights and weekends and like one day a week or whatever it took. And then the rest of the time I was in the internship learning as much as I can. And I think people are just very short-sighted in a lot of ways. And because we live in this world where 
victimhood mentality. You're standing on your soapbox and all of a sudden you're shaming people and then people feel bad about, about hiring anybody anymore. So like, so then leaders don't hire as many interns anymore because rather they would just be like, you know what, I'm going to do it the HR way. I'm going to hire five people. They're going to go through the program. I'm never going to do this exchange thing anymore. And then it just closes opportunities up. This one NYU student was kept pushing back. She's like, well, you come from a place of privilege. And I'm like, I'm not. My father came to this country with $5 in his pocket. I did not have any privilege. And she kept harping on that. And I just, I kept saying to her, I was like, listen, I'm not telling you that you have to do it that way. You can go wait in line with everybody else and get that paid internship. But if you want to bypass it, I'm giving you a clue here of what I did that worked for me. If you want to bypass it, then you can go and reach out to a founder or a CEO or a head of a head creative anywhere and be like, I want to shadow you one day a week and guess how much further you'll go. It's just what you decide makes sense to you and what you decide it's persistence and really putting the, I'm just going to go for it and I'm going to not stop. And if someone tells me no five times, great. That's an opportunity to find another way to get the yes. And you can't stop. And relentlessness is like the absolute key to success in anything, in anything that anybody does. It's just being relentless. And I don't think you need to have particularly any skill. You do need some, but relentless people won't stop unless they gain a skill. I talk about Will Smith's line all the time. Will Smith said, put me on a treadmill next to another actor. You know, we're both running on this treadmill. That actor is running on that treadmill, is better looking than me, is smarter than me, is more talented than me, has more connections than me. But either he gets off that treadmill first or I die. (laughs) Mm. which means that I will outwork anyone and I will be the most reliable, dependable person. And nobody can take that away from me. And no one can argue that. It's just like, at some point you're kind of like, all right, I'm just going to pick the horse with like a gimp leg, you know, and I'm going to make it fly (laughs) and I'm going to help it fly because that horse, the gimp leg ain't stopping. And he just is, I might be slower, but you'll find me on the track. I love that. I want to dig into one other thing, key topic before we say goodbye. So I feel like you must be somebody who is confident and doesn't struggle a lot with negative self-talk. I feel like people can get so in their head, and I used to be this way too, about what they can and can't do. And they put up these mental barriers. And we're kind of talking about this now in regards to victimhood. But there's also these limiting beliefs that people have about themselves and put themselves in categories. And they say, I couldn't do that. Have you ever struggled with that? And, And if so, how do you overcome that in order to do all this amazing stuff that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, another example of this would be like, I had the ultimate stage fright as a young person where I was 10 years old. I'll never forget this. I was in a play called How to Eat Like a Child. I was 10 years old and I get on stage with my sister and I forgot my lines and I froze and I just, nothing came out. And then finally I snapped out of it. I was like, I'm going to try again. And then like everybody laughed in the audience and I like ran off the stage and then came back on the stage and then just did it. But I was just mortified. And ever since then, I was always just terrified to speak on stage. And, and I remember in t- 2010 where I gave my first TEDx Cornell talk, I was just a nervous wreck. But what I said to myself was, this is a pain point for me. This is a place where I'm terrified. 
And I need to just get over this. And the way you get over it is by just doing it, putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other and just trying it again and again and again until the muscle memory is there enough where if your fight or flight starts to soften and it doesn't kick in as much and then you get over it. To this day, I gave a talk last week to a standing ovation, 2,500 women, and my heart was pounding before I got on stage. But then the minute I said my first two lines, I was fine. But what I'm most proud of is really just constantly putting myself out there. Even if I was terrified, I would, I would screw up a lot in, in front of people. It's not about others. It's about me overcoming something. It's not about them. It's about me overcoming something. And it just became that kind of challenge. And, and I'm proud of that. When we overcome something, it's a powerful moment for ourselves to look back on and be like, wow, I did that. I made that happen for myself. It becomes really, really powerful. So then you get on a, this kick of if I'm someone who's scared of so many things in my life, changing my jobs or breaking up with my boyfriend or going from this negative self-talk to positive self-talk, you finally just pick one thing that you're just going to like overcome. Just pick one thing. I'm just mm. going to just try this thing as much as it's so scary over and over again. And when you overcome that one thing and you feel euphoria when you do it, you'll be able to just be like, oh my God, like I want to do that again and again in every area in my life that I feel this fear in. It's like a breaking the ice thing. You have to do it with one thing first, like anything else. Yes, yes. And the more you do it, the more you build your confidence, but you got to walk through the fire in order to earn that confidence. It, confidence isn't necessarily going to show up to give you the strength to do it. You just got to walk yeah. through the fire, which I feel like you are an expert at and such a testament to how this all works. It has been so wonderful to talk to you today. What is your message to women of the world? If you could leave us with one one thought, something that you want to pass on, what would you say? Yeah, is to wake up every day and to put one foot in front of the other towards your dream every single day without fail. It could take five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour out of your day that you commit, you start small and you kind of work your way up. But you'll see when you do something towards your dreams every single day, you'll be like, I, I made a lot of progress there. And then you gain confidence. And, and so just put one foot in front of the other every single day. I love that. Where can people go if they want to find out more about you? Yeah, they can check out my Instagram handle at Mickey Agrawal. Yeah, M-I-K-I-A-G-R-A-W-A-L. They can go to hellotushy.com, check out our cool company. And then for all my other projects, my books, Disrupt Her, Do Cool Shit, to sign up to my, my Mickey's Monthly Musings blog, you can go to mickeyagrawal.com and subscribe. I will make sure that we link to everything. Head on over there. She's one of those women you need to be following on social media. Cannot wait to try the bidet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will let you know how it works out. Oh, yeah. We'll change your life. Oh, can't wait. That is it for this episode, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you liked this one, I know you did. Take a moment to leave a review. Take a screenshot. Share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We're going to be regramming those posts every day. And as we wrap up, Remember, I say this every time, but your body, your life, it's different than any other one out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back into yourself to see what resonates. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm. 
Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.